Um, so I'm going to talk about unity, which is um, perhaps, I don't know, my second most talked about topic, <laughs> um, other, than, other than the Father's love. It's all, you know, Jesus, it's all wound into one anyway. Because if you think about a father who loves his kids, obviously any good dad would want his kids all to get along. It's all, it's all woven in together. But many, many years ago, um, I... Uh, whoops, I went too far. There we go. Many years ago, I, um, I, I've told you part of this story, so I'll make this part really short. But I, I was very much, very much at the beginning when I was a pastor about me and my little, you know, pen of sheep. And that was mostly my world. And God really opened my heart up to see the bigger picture. And, um, and early on, this was probably, gosh, close to 20, about 20 years ago, there was, I had an intercessor who was very prophetic, and early on, um, she had said something to me that I've never forgotten, that um, she said, the Lord wants you to know that unity is your calling. And I, I believe that. I believe there's a lot of ways for that to happen. I think my particular way for that to happen is to focus a lot on the Father's love, but really with the goal of bringing people together and being a real... Um, I don't know, you know, sounding board out there to people to say, come on, you guys, we have to do this together. That that's the only way this is going to happen um, is to, you know, to usher the kingdom is, is to do this together. So I want to talk about unity, but I wanna, I'm going to bring up a few verses, and then I'm going to give you several analogies because I want, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking for you to get this deeper than you ever have before. Because some of you... I'm sure all of you would agree to the things I'm going to say right now. How many of you know it's a little harder sometimes to put that into practice when that gets challenged? When you have challenging people in the body of Christ, um, people who don't believe all the same things you do, which would be true for No two people in here agree on everything, uh, theologically. We could say that maybe some of the most important things we agree on, but even there, we have little shades of variance. So putting it into practice is a little tougher. And I'm talking on this on many different levels. I'm talking about it as individuals, I'm getting along within a group like this, within a church setting. But I'm talking about churches getting along with each other, denominations getting along with each other, you know, cities and, and valleys and counties and states of people getting along. Um, this is what's going to happen. This is, when we talk about revival sweeping the earth, um, God sovereignly, supernaturally is going to get this and live in this. So I want to be part of the front runners who embrace it full on rather than go kicking and screaming. Okay? So here we go. Jesus told us, I have a new command. The verse before this in John 13:34, um, he says, "A new command: I want you to love one another, as I have loved you, so you love one another." And then he says, "By this, all men and women, all people, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." So he says, "This is going to be the hallmark. This is how people are going to know." I'm showing you. I'm showing you verses I know that you're aware of, but um, I want to set the stage. Because this is so important. Um, John 17. What would 
I'm sorry, I'm just on a tangent, but uh, I don't see uh, Shannon here. But Shannon sent, had posted something from Glenn Beck. Did you guys see that? Um, he's a you know fairly controversial <laughs> political type speaker, um, or you know commenting on politics. Anyway, um, I'm not even here to tell you what I think of Glenn Beck. I'm telling you what I just saw though was a 10-minute video because he's just he just lost his voice. Uh, something happened, and right now he has no voice whatsoever. And he did 10 minutes of showing placards, um, and basically talking about um, how sorry he was for some of the things he said in the past. How if if he had only a few words to speak, what would he want to say? And he and it was he said, what I'd want to say is things that are going to build up and encourage. It, it would be about love. It would be about. And then he was apologizing, you know, for, for some of the past things. And, and um, so I, I just think that's pretty amazing because God, I, here, here again, where we have to reserve judgment on anybody, anywhere of what we think is going on or not going on inside of their hearts because God's working on everybody. No, that was Glenn Beck. Yeah, yeah. I would really encourage you to, to go there and look at it. It's phenomenal. Um, if, we have, if we have the time at the end, I even have it on here. We, I could show it to you, but it is 10 minutes. So um, so let's see. Let's see where time goes. But um, the point being, because these are Jesus' last words, what would you say? I mean, here you got Jesus, Son of God. What would be his last final words? And this is his final prayer before he goes to the Father. So I, I'd say on the importance scale, this would be pretty up there. Um, so John 17, he's praying and he says, um, starting with verse 21, Father, may they all be one, just as, Father, you are in me and I am in you. Okay, right? Now everybody just say, dang. Because <laughs> he just defined what, what oneness with each other means. He just, in one sentence... He, he just explained what he calls unity. The very same that he and the Father have. Dang. Okay. We already said that. So that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe it was you who sent me. Alright, so how, how are we going to do this, gang? You know, how are we going to, how is this going to be accomplished? He goes right on. He says, I, Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave to me. Wow. I guess wow is even better than dang, huh? Wow. Are you kidding me? Same glory that Jesus got from the Father, he's given to us. You want to know how we're going to do this? That's, there you go. It's the presence. His presence that overwhelms us gives us a, a supernatural ability to love each other. Um. So I've given them the glory you gave to me so that they may be one as we are one. With me and them, and you and me, may they be so perfected in unity that the world will recognize that it was you who sent me, that you have loved them as you have loved me. You want to know why so many uh, people are not entering into the kingdom? Because they look at the church and they say, why would I want to be part of that? They see all the judgment. They see the hatred. 
both with sometimes right within congregations. I mean, brutal things that happen, judgment and um, all that kind of stuff. But then they look at denominations and every faction just ripping each other to shreds. Um, and they look at that and they're like, mm, no, thank you. I got a family that's that, you know, I don't need more of that. But there are places more and more and more where the Holy Spirit is, is breaking through. And I don't want to just say spirit-filled churches because there's some spirit-filled churches that have not yet entered into that place of love and grace for each other. Um, and so, but there are places where the Spirit is moving where more and more there's love and honor and grace. And, and um, not everybody understands it. Other, other parts of the body don't understand it yet. But you start to see people flooding in to those places and saying, wow, this is what I, this is what I wanted. Um, so it's super important. It's a big part of the Lord's plan for all things to be brought under, under Christ. Um, all right, so that's John 17. And one more I want to read to you before I give you a couple of analogies is um, 1 Corinthians 3. Y'all good? It's kind of warm out there, right? You need to get up. You need to do the hokey pokey. Are you okay? All right. You can. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Paul says, um, I wasn't, this is right at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 3, I wasn't able to talk to you as spiritual people. Oops. I had to talk to you as people still living under your natural inclinations. Like uh, your newness in Christ, you're forgetting all that because you're not, you're still infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not uh, yet able to take it. And even now you're still not able to, for you're still living by your natural inclinations. As long as there are jealousy and rivalry among you, that surely means you are still living by your natural inclinations and by merely human principles. Or, or another, some of your, uh, your scriptures will say, are you not being merely human? which is quite kind of a wild statement because we're not supposed to be human anymore when, we have, when we're a new creation in Christ. We're something other than. Um, but then he explains why he's getting so teed off. <laughs> uh, while there's one, one that says, I belong to Paul, and another that says, I belong to Apollos, two different major teachers of the day, are you not being only too human? For what is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants. Through whom you came to believe. And each has only what the Lord has given him. W could you all just say this? Whatever I have, I have because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. Say that one more time. Whatever I have, I have because the Holy Spirit gave it to me. There you go. Kind of takes all the boasting and puts it in its proper place, doesn't it? Um, and, I will t and I will say this. Whatever he's done for you, he'll do for others. So if you see someone, you know, entrenched in sin and you're getting really upset, just, just remember times when you were. 
and what the Lord did for you. If you, if you see someone that is still entrenched in religion and it's really ticking you off, remember that you were entrenched in religion until the Holy Spirit showed you otherwise. In fact, I actually think it's part of his plan. Just hear me out for a second. But how can you really understand grace unless you're trying to live by the law for a while? I'm just saying, if you never thought of that before, there's so much of our life journey that is actually intentional and things we have to go through, otherwise we can't learn it, because we, we can't learn it any other way. You can't really know freedom unless you haven't had it. Just saying. Paul says, I did the planting, Apollos did the watering. He's like saying, okay, great. I had a job, he had a job. What, okay, what, but it's God who gave the growth. In this, neither the planter nor the waterer counts for anything. Only God who gives the growth. Now, this next verse, my scripture reads it this way. Because a lot of yours will say, um, one does the planting, one does the watering. Um, that's NIV and many other translations. However, um, let me read mine to you. It says, it is all one. Um, it is all one who does the planting and who does the watering. And each will have the proper pay for the work that he has done. I love how this is said. Because if you look at your scriptures, it says the same thing. It basically says, one does the watering, one does the planting, but they all have the same purpose and their own unity and whatever. But this just says it in such a way that captures it. They're one who do the planting and the watering. They're, we're all one who do the stuff. All the different parts of what's needed. We're all one. And we're each going to get rewarded according to, to what we've done. But... Do you see how it takes kind of that superstar mentality out of this thing? And who's more important and all that garbage that causes the jealousies and the rivalries? Uh, it kind of takes it all out of the equation because we're all, if we're all one, then, then nobody's more important than the other. Then all of us are telling one story of Jesus. Jesus' story, Jesus' life did not end 2,000 years ago when he was about 33 years old, it continued on through us. He's still living his life on the earth. I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but he's still living his life on the earth through us. And all of us together are telling his one story. Now that puts it in proper perspective. So is your part important? Yeah. Absolutely. But are you more important than anybody else? No. You, I, know, I know we all can get that here, but there are times, just a second, there are times when that, that, you know, uh, that feeling of how come that person gets to do that and I don't, how come I'm not where I want to be, all those kind of things start to make us feel like we're less than. And that less than feeling, uh, is, that's not part of the kingdom. You are, you are all equally important. So, yeah, what was your... Say it again. Okay. I was just saying, because I used to struggle with the feeling less than. None of us is more important, or yeah. none of us is less important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's all. That's right. <sighs> okay. So, I'm just, you know, just taking it in. 
after all, it, verse 9, after all, we do share in God's work. You are God's farm. You are His building. You're pretty darn important. We do share in His work. We're here to do something with Him. Not for Him. Have you heard me say that once or twice today? Not for Him, but with Him. So we got work to do. Awesome. But if it's not with Him and you're not enjoying Him, then um, what, what are you building on? Right? Okay. So he goes on, and I want to go down, jump down to verse 21. Uh, it's all really good stuff, but I just want to get to the end here. So there is, there is to be no boasting about human beings. Everything belongs to you, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Now he's talking Peter. Um, he brings Cephas into this. The world, life or death, present or the future, all belongs to you. You belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. So, stop. You know, the, the whole thing about, well, this is what my church is doing. This is what my denomination is doing. This is what my part of the world is doing. Stop it. Because we're all getting there together. Your victory is my victory. My victory is your victory. Um, equally, my, my sorrows become yours and vice versa. We're in this together. And um, this whole thing of, well, we're doing this, but you're not kind of stuff is just killing us. So I want to give you a couple of, I've said plenty of words, but to me, um, when you start bringing word pictures into these analogies, I think it just brings it a lot deeper. So we're going to do that. First, um, I read this at church, but it's way worth reading again. So um, it's called Life Aboard the Fellowship by Max Lucado. Lucado, um, and um, uh, it's in a book of his, and I can't remember which one, so I apologize, but um, you can actually, I, I easily found it by just Googling Fellowship Max Lucado, and it comes right up, if you want to read this later. Um, all right. This is really good stuff. So, he starts out, the first... Uh, First, he, he reads the scripture. Let me, let me just read the scriptures, okay? Romans 14.1 in the message says, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Oh, yeah, I'll just let that one sink in a little bit deeper. <laughs> Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. That's Romans 14.1 in the message Bible. Here's Romans 15:7 in the NIV. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So how can you bring praise to God? Worshiping is one way, but another way right here says by accepting others the way God accepts you, is giving Him praise. Which makes total sense, because if all of, if all of everyone in humanity is made in His image, and we're accepting them, we're accepting one who's made in his image. I mean, it makes total sense that that's worship and praise to him. We just don't see it that way often. Romans 14.4, you cannot judge another person's servant. The master decides if the servant is doing well or not. 14.4, you cannot judge another person's servant. The master decides if the servant is doing well or not.
I have a mixture, as I'm doing this, I have a mixture of joy and wanting to cry as I'm, as I'm sharing this. Because to- that's God's heart. His heart is joyful for his kids to, get, to be together, but then there's the sadness because there's so much you know, destruction in the body, so much hurting each other. Um, so let, here, here's Max Lucado's uh, description. He says, God has enlisted us in his navy, and he's placed us on his ship. The boat has one purpose, to carry us safely to the other shore. But this is no cruise ship, it's a battleship. We aren't called to a life of leisure, we are called to a life of service. Each of us has a different task. Some, concerned with those who are drowning, are snatching people up from the water. So I want you to see, as we're, as we're talking about all these analogies, how everybody's got their part, and they're all very different, but we can truly begin to appreciate each other more if we understand these things. So, um, some are snatching people out of the water. Others are occupied with the enemy. So they man the canons of prayer and worship. Still others devote themselves to the crew, feeding and training the crew members. Though different, we are all the same. Each can tell of a personal encounter with the captain, for each has received a personal call. He found us among the shanties of the seaport, and he invited us to follow him. Our faith was born at the sight of his fondness, and so we went. We each followed him across the gangplank of his grace onto the same boat. There's one captain. There's one destination. By the way, that's Ephesians 4. This is all rooted in Scripture. I, I can't help but think of the Scriptures when I'm, when I'm reading them. Um, Though the battle is fierce, the boat is safe. For our captain is God. The ship will not sink. For that, there is no concern. There is concern, however, regarding the disharmony of the crew. When we first boarded, we assumed the crew was made up of others like us. But as we've wandered these decks, we've encountered curious converts with curious appearances. Some wear uniforms whenever seen, sporting styles we've never witnessed. Why do you look the way you do, we ask them. Funny, they reply, we were about to ask the same of you. The variety of dress is not nearly as disturbing as the plethora of opinions. There is a group, for example, who clusters every morning for serious study. They promote rigid discipline and somber expressions. Serving the captain is serious business, they explain. It's no coincidence that they tend to congregate around the stern. There is another regiment deeply devoted to prayer. Not only do they believe in prayer, they believe in praying by kneeling. For that reason, you always know where to locate them. They are at the bow of the ship. And then there are a few who who staunchly believe real wine should be used in the Lord's Supper. You'll find them on the port side. Still another group has positioned themselves near the engine. They spend hours examining the nuts and bolts of the boat. They've been known to go below deck and not come up for days. They are occasionally criticized by those who linger on the top deck, feeling the wind in their hair and the sun on their face. It's not what you learn, those topside argue. It's what you feel that matters. And oh, how we tend to cluster. Some think once you're on the boat, you can't get off. 
Others say you'd be foolish to go overboard, but the choice is yours. Some believe you volunteer for service. Others believe you were destined for the service before the ship was even built. Some predict a storm of great tribulation will strike before we dock. Others say it won't hit until we are safely ashore. There are those who speak to the captain in a personal language. There are those who think such languages are extinct. There are those who think the officers should wear robes. There are those who think there should be no officers at all. And there are those who think we are all officers and all should wear robes. Oops. And oh, how we tend to cluster. And then there's the issue of the weekly meeting at which the captain is thanked and his words are read. All agree on its importance, but few agree on its nature. Some want it loud, others quiet. Some want ritual, others spontaneity. Some want to celebrate so they can meditate, others meditate so they can celebrate. Some want a meeting for those who've gone overboard. Others want to reach those overboard, but without going overboard and neglecting those on board. And oh, how we tend to cluster. The consequence is a rocky boat. There is trouble on deck. Fights have broken out. Sailors have refused to speak to each other. There have even been times when one group refused to acknowledge the presence of others on the ship. Most tragically, some adrift at sea have chosen not to board the boat because of the quarreling of the sailors. What do we do? We'd like to ask the captain. How can there be harmony on the ship? We don't have to go far to find the answer. On the last night of his life, Jesus prayed a prayer that stands as a citadel for all Christians. I'm going to read it one more time. It's John 17:20. I pray for these followers but I am also praying for all those who will believe in me because of their teaching. Father, I pray that they can be one. As you are in me, as I am in you, I pray that they will also be in us, one in us. Then the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus, knowing the end is near, prays one final time for his followers. Striking, isn't it, that he prayed not for their success, not for their safety or their happiness. He prayed for their unity. He prayed that they would love each other. And as he prayed for them, he also prayed for those who will believe because of their teaching. That means us. In his last prayer, Jesus prayed that you and I be one. Of all the lessons we can draw from this verse, don't miss the most important. Unity matters to God. The Father does not want his kids to squabble. Disunity disturbs him. Why? Because all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. John 13:35. So it's fun to, it's fun to laugh at some of these things because it it allows us to take the medicine a little bit better. But uh, as you, as you well know, the, this is deep stuff. And um, and again, you don't even have to go denomination to denomination, which is a lot of what he was describing, but you can go chair to chair, you know, in a, in a church. Um, yeah, I've got some phrases later that I'm almost going to say right now, but I'll just, I'll wait and get to them when I was going to get to them. I, 
Let me use a different analogy with you. This is a, a menu. Um, and just a completely different analogy is that all of us carry a different menu item of, of what we're bringing to the world. Uh, there's something, maybe one or two or three menu items that are kind of mostly you. Um, it's your flavor. It's who you are. It's what you bring to the world. And um, it, the, choosing to um, push others away or cut them off because they're different than us is like saying those one or two or three menu items is all the world needs. That's it. They can have hamburgers every day for eternity. That's all they get, hamburgers. Hamburgers, 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 hamburgers. Because hamburgers are good. Because I know hamburgers, so everyone needs a hamburger. <laughs> what about chicken? That's, see, that's somebody else's menu item. And, and um, I mean, even look at the, this. Is, I know you can't really see it up here on the screen, but this is pretty much American food. This is what you'd get. On, you know, it's a, a grill. It happens to be a, for a golf golf store, I mean a golf, uh, you know, restaurant. But it's just a grill, so it's mostly American food. So some churches say, well, you know what, we're just going to make it all American food. And so you all have your different menu items, but it all fits in this, you know, your American food. Yeah, but then we miss out on the Chinese food and the, you know, Mexican food and all the other yummies that we like so much. Italian, I mean, let's keep going. Just had lumpia and empanada and pancit a couple of days ago. Filipino food. Come on. Now we're talking. <laughs> I loved, I loved the last, um, you know, not barbecue, but that food potluck thing we had. Oh my gosh. There was like, oh my goodness. So every yummy thing you could think of was on there. Not that we could all have it all, but anyway. For those of you at home, the comment was, we tried. We tried to have it all. And you can come to the one in two weeks, right? If you want to come on in. Isn't that Wednesday? In two weeks, the 26th. Actually, it's not here, though. It's at a park right next to here. Okay. Kolb Park. K-O-L-B. If you're Googling it. Kolb Park in Dublin. Anyway, that was just a quick advertisement. Um... Back to the, the task at hand, which is talking about the menu items. So, this is a different way of thinking about the different streams in the body of Christ. The different ones that are bringing very different parts uh, of, what, of, of God's nature, of the different aspects of who He is. He's really creative. He's really huge. He's not... We can't put Him in this little box. We just can't do it. And... And you might say, yeah, but those other people that teach such and such, yeah, but they don't get this and this and this. That's fine. Do you remember what we just said? Anything you have is because the Holy Spirit gave it to you. So if there's things they need to learn about what they're teaching, guess who will show them? Holy Spirit's going to show them. But, but can we find things to celebrate in each other? Can we say, you know, I don't, maybe I don't want every uh, Thai dish that's out there, but there are certain ones that I really like. I can go to any restaurant and find stuff I like. I don't know about you, but I can. Because there's yummy stuff on every, you know, whatever the culture is. Um, doesn't mean you have to like every single thing that's out there, but you can find things that you can appreciate 
in the body of Christ everywhere you go. Focus on those things. If, if you alienate yourself, you know, you know who you're going to reach? Is your own little crowd. I'm just saying. You never thought about this. You're saying, I don't want to associate with anybody who's different than me. Great. The people you're going to influence are the people who already believe pretty much what you believe. So if you'd like to influence others with what you have, it actually starts by accepting them and loving them where they're at. I can go into any church. I really can. I can go to any church and share my message and find out ahead of time what that pastor believes, where that church is at, how I can serve his vision when I'm there. And I can, and I can be real to who I am, but pick and choose from what I have to give that's going to encourage them and, and take them further without trying to be this super controversial, this is, I'm going to stuff this down your throat you know, and make you get what I believe. So we can do that. We can do that. It's about honor. Okay, here's um, another analogy. This is a third one. Um, this is the mere translation, Second Peter 1.5. Now, I heard you earlier, I think it was Sharon earlier, saying about the mirror just being a good, you know, something to... A good read. There you go. That was what you said. Which I totally agree with. Totally agree with that way of looking at this. So when you, if you look at Second Peter 1.5 right now in your version, you're going to go, where was all this? Um, because there's no question, he just kind of went, got into this analogy right here. Um, anyway, so uh, Francois Dutois says, Now the stage is set to display life's excellence. Imagine the extreme devotion and focus of a conductor of music. How he would diligently acquaint himself with every individual voice in the choir, as well as the contribution of every specific instrument, to follow the precise music represented in every note in order to give maximum credit to the original composition. This is exactly what it means to exhibit the divine character. About a week ago... I, I've been crying a lot more than usual lately in good cries. Like, God just softening my heart. What, I've mentioned this before, but it seems like for me, when I'm in the midst of people, when I'm in gatherings, I tend to laugh a lot. And when I'm by myself, I tend to cry more. Um, and I, don't, and that's, it, I just think it's because what the Lord's doing inside of my heart, He's just you know, oozing in there and softening me up and showing me things that are just so deep that sometimes all I can do is just sob. But it's not because I'm sad, you understand. It's just because it's so deep and that's the expression that comes out. And so about a week or two ago, I, I was um, sitting down and just, you know, laying down uh, with the intent of, of uh, spending time with the Lord. And... Um, the song that I understand you guys sung this morning, How Great Thou Art, um, had been in my, my brain earlier. Um, I grew up in a more traditional setting, and so we sang that, I sang that song hundreds of times, and it has great meaning and value for me. And, um, and so I was thinking about that, and, and I, I truly believe the Holy Spirit prompted me you know, to, to get my computer and to actually YouTube it to just hear it. I, was, I actually put it behind me and I was laying back down so it was like behind my head so I wasn't really looking at it but it was a YouTube, it was a video. Only as I started listening to it 
it was it was this choir and orchestra together and it started to really move me and I turned around and started and I just got transfixed and glued into it I'm going to show it to you in just a moment and and then I just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing because the Lord was showing me um, there's so many things that I could see all at once so I won't necessarily remember all of them and I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you maybe in other ways as you watch this but I saw that the the choir director the director up front was was the Holy Spirit and just he's the one that has the whole piece he knows what the Father wants he knows the music of Jesus he knows how to get everybody okay we need more of you now and if you watch um, there are times when uh, so you've got you've got all okay, let's start with the singers you've got altos tenors sopranos bass right you have the four parts and there's probably, I'm guessing, about 50 of each because it's a pretty darn big choir. So most of the time, they're all singing. All of the tenors are all singing the same thing. All of the sopranos are all singing the same thing. They're singing different things from each other, but all 50 of those people, they're singing the same thing. So there are times where we're, we're, we're within groups and we're doing things together and together we're adding our force and we're, we're, we're you know, there's something just magnificent happening because of... of of all of us doing it together. However, there's groups over here that are doing other things, and together it makes more beautiful music than if it was just one group doing it. Um, same thing with the instruments. You've got, you, you have, if you look, there's, I'm going to guess maybe eight violins playing. And you've got, understand, in an orchestra, if you've never been in one, there is a first chair, and there's a second chair, and there's a third chair, because actually the instruments are not all playing the same thing. And, uh, but there is an order to it. it and, and those with the highest skill level are the ones that are in the first chair. Not, not because second or third or, or, or others are less important. I'm going to keep carrying this analogy because it's true. If you don't have the second and the third and what everybody's doing, the music isn't, what the first is doing isn't nearly as beautiful. Um, everybody's got their part and their place. And, and uh, I know often we think, well, I want to sit in the first chair. All I can tell you is, God, this is all in Romans and, and, and uh, Corinthians, Romans 12, Corinthians 12. But God assigns who he assigns for his purposes. We don't have to know the whys. But he does say, to those who are given, more and more is required. There's, there's a whole lot of trade-off in this life. And I wish for all of us we could, we could be good with whatever part he has designed for us to play. Because when we start being something we're not, if the violinist says, well, I'm going to go over to the French horn section, which I played French horn growing up, so that's my love. The violinist says, I'm going to go over and play the French horn because I should be able to do it all. You know, they're not going to be very good. They're certainly not going to be as good as they were at the violin, which is their instrument of excellence, right? And so there are certain things you will be really good at in life. Yeah, you can do other things, but there's certain things you're going to be really good at. Those are the things you need to do with joy and to do to give Him the glory. And, and what I love in this, there's so many things about this, but what I love is, is you know, it, you're going to see different points there. They're going to pan around and you'll see different people singing and instruments playing. But at the end it fades off, it fades back, and you see the whole thing. And you really can't hear an individual voice, and you can't hear an individual instrument anymore. It's all just one beautiful sound. 
See, we're all telling the story of Jesus. And at the very end, unfortunately, they cut it right when the applause starts. Because at the very end, when the applause comes, see, that's all for the Lord. Everything what we're doing together is all going to be for his glory, for his applause, not because of what we did individually, though our part was important. Is this making sense? So I am asking, I'm going to pray right now, actually, because I'm, I'm not saying you have to, you know, cry like I did. I'm just saying I want you to get whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to get out of this. So I am asking, Holy Spirit, would you show us things about, about the heart, the Father's heart, that we be one big orchestra and choir together singing a, a, a beautiful song that is all about Jesus. Would you help us, Lord, to get our eyes on you? And, and Holy Spirit, speak to us through this any way that you want. In Jesus' name.